Welcome to Social Media and Ourselves. This episode contains considerable profanity. If you'd like, there's a censored version available at iVoices.us. Social Media and Ourselves, this is Diana Daly. In the last month, our podcast team went to Austin, Texas. We were at the first South by Southwest Festival with face-to-face events in three years. Studio interviews in this episode were recorded in the University of Arizona Wonder House, which took over the Fogo de Chao Steakhouse for the weekend. So in the background, you may hear sounds of talks, video exhibits, and 9,000 visitors biting meat hors d'oeuvres off of toothpicks. Yeah, that's really good. Here's how one of those interviews started. Hi, fuckers. Welcome to Austin. My name is Thor Harris. I uh, have lived in Austin since 1985, playing music and squandering my youth at the (laughs) tender age of 57. (laughs) I've played in a bunch of bands, Shearwater, Swans, um, Bill Callahan. Now I have an instrumental group that I love called Thor and Friends, but I still play with lots of other people. I'm playing with this awesome young trans artist from LA called Dorian Wood. We're making a really beautiful record right now. And um, I still love living in Austin. It's still a great place, but it's, you know, there's good and bad to our outrageous growth. That's Thor on drums you're hearing, by the way. We'll hear from Thor more later, but for now, here's what you need to know. On February 8th, 2020, Thor tweeted something that would become like a prophecy. He wrote, Y'all hear about South by Southwest? Cancelled. Anyone hear why? Hashtag South by Southwest cancelled. It wasn't true yet, and no one believed it. America was like a teenager in a horror movie that February, blithely ignoring the pandemic creeping up behind us. Thor's friends replied to his tweet, though, saying South by Southwest was cancelled because Austin ran out of cheese or... Bud Light Seltzer, South by Southwest being canceled, had become Thor's running joke and his if-only critique about the festival's local impact. Look at the history of hashtag South by Southwest canceled, and up through February 2020, you see a small conversation, mostly driven by Thor. Tweets like, 9% off at Hooters in Buffalo with South by Southwest wristband. A lot of them were about Buffalo. I have no idea. And then... On March 6th, the hashtag explodes. South by Southwest was actually canceled. The city of Austin would not host the thousands of events and activations. They stopped earning the hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue the festival brings. Thor's prophecy, that tweet from February 2020, it got one reply on March 6th. Three words, you did this. Until 2022, when South by Southwest came back and we were there with the Wonder House in Austin. The UA's Wonder House brought a lot of Tucson flavor to Austin, including bands like Touchy and Shiksa. It was kind of hard to remember we were in Austin sometimes. We wondered, what does it mean to be somewhere live now that we're all hyper-connected? And I wondered especially what that means for Austin. So I started asking around. My first interview was with Eric Redpath, working at an East Austin coffee shop. We talked at an outdoor table. I think about my city a lot, and Mm. I think about community and culture a lot, so it's very interesting to see. This is a very uh, divided 
subject on that matter. You know what I mean? Every bartender in town complains about South by racism, so for it grumps the whole thing, and then they all go to the Bahamas afterwards or whatever. You know, they all make so much money. They're like afterwards, like we're all leaving town, and they all do something really nice for themselves. It brings in culture to some degree, but it's uh, South by being canceled two years ago, and last year was very interesting because. A lot of businesses, as much as you hate it, it's a necessary evil because it brings in, the last job I had, they're like, South by brings in the money that pays for any improvements we need, any like any extra funding for the shop the whole year. A big, a big company can come in and rent your spot, change it for the way they want it, and then give you, you know, I know a recording studio that had someone come in and wanted the studio to look a very specific way, gave them a whole makeover and they got to, you know, obviously they keep those improvements. Uh, stages being built if there's little outdoor things that are needed. I do know that that's for sure common that a bigger, bigger company will come in and need something and just put the bill for it. And then those improvements get to stay with the business. When South by Southwest began in 1987, it celebrated local Austin music and culture. Now it's national or international even. Makers of that local culture work it behind the bars or else they might sit it out or even leave town. The value shifted from their creative work to their space and their service. It's not easy on the town. My next interview was with Carlos, a doorman at a bar on 6th Street. We were surrounded by neon signs and wafts of weed smoke and very loud music. What do you think about the South by Southwest Festival and your city? Well, do you live here? Ooh, yeah, I do, I do. I do live here. How long do you live here? Uh, I've lived here for 13, almost 14 years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of cool things about the festival itself in terms of what it brings in. Uh, I guess, like, uh, movies, music, creative-wise, you know, like, events. But it fucking sucks for locals. <laughs> Traffic, uh, you know, just, like, I guess sometimes I feel like the city can't handle it. I asked Carlos if he thinks South by Southwest is changing Austin. It's been changing it for like, I don't know how long. When you have a festival that brings in a tourist crowd, you, you also have the factor of like, that brings in business. And then that brings in people that want to live here. And that in general growth. Yeah, growth. That's, that's to sum it up. And growth, especially if, I guess how I feel in Austin is like you don't have a real estate that matches that. It's going to fuck with people that have been living here for so long. Austin's economic growth with South by Southwest has been remarkable. But it hasn't impacted all creators of that culture the same. This was kind of personal, like a personal Austin vibe. Like when I first got here, Austin was keeping Austin weird. That's gone. It's not that anymore, which makes sense. Like different people from around the country came here, bringing their cultures. So it's going to change. And, you know, that sucks. But, you know, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. South by Southwest takes itself pretty seriously. It's definitely not weird. But it depends on Austin. And yet there are clear lines between Austin and the festival. Like, they wrap plastic around light poles and other parts of Austin's built environment, so it isn't smothered in a few days with stickers lasting all year. This prophylactic relationship? It's confusing. So I Zoom called my friend Paige Swift to ask her about this. She'd lived in Austin for 20 years. South by Southwest is uh, is kind of a beast. And you either have to surrender yourself to the beast and become one with the beast, or you find a way to like, 
even to isolate yourself from it, which can be challenging because for a lot of people in Austin, they we live somehow in the center-ish of Austin. I think Austin would survive fine-ish without it and maybe could um, give itself a chance to kind of uh, heal. <laughs> I don't know. I think at this point, Austin could probably not have South by, but they're both kind of in a mutually dependent, they're a codependent relationship. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you totally did just describe that. This was pretty funny because Paige is a relationships therapist. So I decided to ask Paige another therapy type question. Do you think people are a hundred percent present when they're at South by Southwest? No. Okay. Well, I didn't even let you finish the question. Before. Okay. <laughs> Certainly there's the distractions of, of being online, but there's also the distraction of having to navigate just the the physical space of everyone around you and all these different competing energies. And then add into that the amount of drinking and tacos that go into it. So I don't think people are completely present. I think it's a, it's a place to, to, to not be present. It's a celebration of not being present under the guise of like, oh, we're all connected because we're doing all these different types of things. Okay. Music, interactive, uh, film, constantly bombarded with different types of choices it can be overwhelming like oh all these different people are now another house party's coming up and it's free but there's beer and there's tacos and we go over here we're going to get some margaritas and this band is playing on the south congress how do we navigate it's just it's it feels very chaotic mm-hmm. platinum gold platinum oh my god it's amazing yeah <laughs> maybe south by comes in and like cleanses the city of boogie rock <laughs> boogie rock that like music yeah we call it boogie rock um it's just like old white man blues <laughs> <laughs> love what they're doing at continental club love it this last point was important south by helped change austin in at least one way Paige liked it pushed out the boogie rock I talked to people living in Austin who love the festival because it makes Austin feel new, like a new frontier. South By is most loved by tech-savvy people, and weirdly, it's the physical presence of South By that's exciting for them. I'm calling it Virtuality 3.0. Virtual life on screen was 1.0. Augmented reality was 2.0. Virtuality 3.0 is the transforming of actual places for virtually connected experiences. Well, what's your relationship to each other? Uh, my brother, my wife, my brother. <laughs> brother from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is my wife back here. Oh, okay. In the Wonder House podcast studio, I talked to a family of IT workers about why they love the physical experience of South By. David has lived in Austin for 40 years, Ravi for two years, and Ratsiv for two weeks. All different, and they all love it. Here's Ravi. We all work from home right now. And let's say if you want to ask something to our coworker, like 50% of the time we have to either set up a meeting or Slack them, right? We don't know what their response, like if they wanted to really talk to you, rather than when, if, when you're in office, you can just tell, but like 20, 50% from their face saying like, they really want to talk to you or not. Yeah, so yeah. We, we, we love being here in person for sure. Here's Ratsiv, who's just been in Austin a couple of weeks. 
online you have to, uh, everything is pretty artificial you make a plan you do stuff that's it over here you just walk around the block and just look at this um art gallery and be like, oh that looks cool to me let's go in there that's how we ended up over here we didn't know about this event beforehand we were just walking around the block we were like oh that place looks cool let's go in there so mm -hmm. like making things happen out of nothing like coincidental <clears throat> i like that and here's david who's lived in austin for 40 years Everyone, when they come here, is pretty open to, I think, meeting people, I think. Uh, if you meet some pe random people anywhere else, they're going to be more closed. Like, you know, why are you talking to me, right? But that's true. whenever people are coming to South by Southwest, they're more in a, hey, let's go just be open and talk to everyone else. And it's a great uh, event to go for networking as well. Yeah. yeah. And like, people here it. are definitely more friendly. And I think uh, it helps that everyone is on their same wavelength, like uh, career, the age, and the time of their life. They're all reaching out, um, networking and whatever. So yep. coming from Maryland, it's, it's not the same. People are closed off. They don't really want to talk to you. If you talk to them, they want to like shut you up right away. Yeah. <laughs> so can you like describe an experience that just has to be an in-person experience? I mean, um, the one thing I would definitely say is the food. <laughs> you can't have food <laughs> online, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, food is a big plus of Virtuality 3.0. One way South by programs that in is by handpicking food trucks that look cool and inviting them. They don't even have to pay them, no matter how far they drive. South by's brand appeal makes people drive thousands of miles just to show they were invited and they came like the crew running Cocina de Carnaval, known as Big Bertha to her crew. Here's Jose Rodriguez talking over Big Bertha's huge speakers. So you're from Brownsville, Texas? Yes, ma'am. How far is it for you to come here? Regular drive, five and a half, six hours. And Big Bertha took us about 12 hours. Can you describe Big Bertha for me? Uh, she's our heart and soul. She's the one that makes her money, makes her bills. Our food truck. That's our baby. Big Bertha's menu is carnival food. We got uh, chicken waffle cones with uh, three different kinds of syrup. Regular syrup, sweet and sour syrup, spicy syrup. Uh, we got cheeseburgers. We got our nachos, our loaded fries. Um, we got our footlong corn dogs. Anything you can find at the carnival. There's no carnival here, but we got it for you right there. They invited us over. We got a, we got an invitation, so we're here to check it out. Okay. It's our first time here, and hopefully we can come again and get invited next year. All right. How do you feel about it so far? It's your first time. It's a little slow right now, but I love it. Yeah. Something different. Yeah. Got to come represent Brownsville. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. It's a cold, windy weekend. Not a lot of customers. Cocina de Carnival's crew is here at South by to represent Brownsville. That's for love, not money. They might not be making any money. And musicians do that at South By, too. Here's Thor Harris again. You know, there's this thing about if you live in Austin, you during South By Southwest, you live in your car and you, you rent your house to some musicians for $2,000 a night or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't do that. I just put people up. Yeah. put bands up for free because because uh, another thing I have to say about South by Southwest, they've never really looked after the artist and the little guy. Sorry, South by Southwest. You know, it's true. Um, it's you know, they would pay they would pay bands like two hundred and fifty dollars. They drove here from Chicago, you know, and, and they could have 
you know, I've, I, I don't, I can't tell you the numbers right off the top of my head, but I have looked at them and they could have done a lot better for the little guy. Mm. Why do you think the little guy does it? Comes here. They, you know what? Here's the thing about musicians. We will do anything to play. I play most of the time. I play on people's records for free still. I can make money other ways. And sometimes I do charge people, but it's not, there's a million reasons to play music. It is a high calling, I will say, usually. Musician pay in Austin is the same today that it was 40 years ago. That's according to the Pause Play podcast from Austin Public Radio. Thor told me about it. Not only has South By not helped local musicians, it may have hurt them. Many artists come for no pay at all during South By, even for massive corporate events. When McDonald's invited musicians to play their South By activation in 2015, they told them, there isn't a budget for an artist fee, unfortunately. And yet they framed it as a great opportunity. And people came. Instead of raising the standards for musician pay in Austin, they lowered it. This is a shame because Austin's culture is what attracted festivals like South By. There's been this magnetic tension between where Austin is and what Austin is. In like 1988, when I started playing it, we were this little town. We had a, you know, a thriving punk rock scene. If you listen to uh, uh, lots of old live records, they're recorded here because musicians have long loved to come to the liberal bastion in this hateful, conservative, gun-loving state. It's always been like, like, it's, it's always been the town where musicians would land and go, wow, what is this doing in the middle of Texas? It's full of rivers and swimming holes and liberals and naked hippies and great Mexican food. You know, it was the town where we all in the 80s, where we stood around saying, man, I'm so glad I live in Austin. Aren't you glad? I mean, you could have that conversation with anyone of any age in the 80s and even into the early 90s. We're not having that conversation anymore. The conversation we're having is like, God, how long can you hang on to this, you know, yuppie shit storm that has become our town? But there's still a lot of awesome people here. Thor's critiques have real numbers behind them, and they raise real questions for Virtuality 3.0 events, like who gets the money? But there are also a lot of fantasies behind people's ideas of what Austin culture was. I'm thinking in particular of a movie from 1990 by Richard Linkletter. A few people mentioned this movie to me, including Thor. So there's a movie called Slacker that you all should watch. It's about what it sort of used to be like to live here. Mm -hmm. Slacker is a sun-drenched, plotless film about Austin. It centers on people living at the margins of society, rolling from one quirky vignette to the next. To many people, it's a picture of Austin culture in those times. It's weird. But I talked to someone who helped film Slacker, and it got a little more complicated than that. I would say that that was... Um that Slacker was maybe Rick's idealized fantasy of what Austin was then. Like there was, a, there's a certain fantasy element to it. Luke Savisky is an Austin-based artist. He's lived there for decades. He worked on Slacker in 1990. He works with video installations now. When he helped Richard Linkletter film Slacker, he projected a vision of Austin onto the city of Austin. 
in slide here, you'll see like it was shot in the dead of summer and there's no one in West Campus and that's when all the students are gone. So it's like almost deserted streets. And it was never exactly like that, except during, in the summer. So it gives you the impression that it's just like there's just weirdos walking around empty streets. It was like that, but it wasn't like that. It was a, uh, a little more complicated, a little more nuanced. There was a very core and present uh, group of artists, musicians, a community of creative people that crossed paths almost every day, like multiple times a week, all going to the same events. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an impression. Mm -hmm. It's an impression and everybody had a different experience, but I think, I think most people would accept that it, it was accurate on, on that level, on a fantasy level. Yeah. Um, so in that way, it, it's like, I think that's where the real kind of nostalgia for it comes in. It's just like missing that centralized community. But also there are a lot of people that have very strong uh, individual communities here all over town. We all have shared fantasies about places in our lives. When those places are virtual, different ideas about what a place should be can coexist. The thing about physical spaces, coexistence is rival. That may mean you need to take some space from the old to make room for the new. The boogie rock on 6th Street gave way to younger music scenes. Now all that has to make room for scenes that are newer and more diverse and maybe more inclusive. Hey, I'm Priscilla. You all can call me Pri. Pri's from Mexico. She has buzzed hair, a couple of face piercings, and a wide smile. To Pri, Austin's growth from South By meant way more people like her. You know, the queer community, um, I have a lot of drag queens, a lot of like queer friends that are musicians right now, a lot of hip-hop artists that I met in college. They're all performing this year. I have about five friends or even more that are coming up for South By. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's so neat to meet so many creative people because out of all the cities in Texas, I feel that Austin is where like a lot of creative people come here and we meet and we bond about just art in general. Yeah. So like it started as that, like just a community, you know, like Austin is growing so much lately and the festival right now, like I, I've never met so many people until this past year. I don't know, Austin is thriving right now, I guess. And I love it, I love being here. It's my home. Big thanks to Thor Harris, Eric Redpath, Carlos, and Paige Swift, to Ravi, Ratsiv, David, and family, to Jose Rodriguez and the Cocina de Carnival crew, to Luke Savisky, and to Pri. It was awesome being at the Wonder House, so an extra special thanks to Misha, Joe, and the rest of the Wonder House team. This episode of Social Media and Ourselves was produced by Diana Daly, with me, Gabe Stultz, of the iVoices Media Lab, sponsored in part by the Center for University Education Scholarship at the University of Arizona. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, tell a friend, and review us wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more, visit iVoices.us. Thank you so much for listening.